Welcome back to the COS Business Podcast, the number one the number one podcast in Colorado, Colorado Springs. Springs. Sorry about that. <laughs> I'm a little sick today, so give me a little bit of patience here, guys. But um, the number one podcast in Colorado Springs today's episode is brought to you by Exponential Impact. It's the place that we're hosting our show. It's a premier Colorado um, accelerator and startup um, building. It's it's awesome located here in Colorado Springs, and also it's a co working space Monday, Tuesdays, and Fridays. Every week, check in exponentialimpact.com. All right, let's talk business. Today, we have on our show, Miss Stephanie Jacobs. Yes. How you doing? Hi, doing great. And you? Yes, doing Good. great. Doing great. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Just 50,000 foot view. We want to hear just, if anybody doesn't know who you are out there, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. My name is Stephanie Jacobs. I'm a professional model. I've worked in five different markets across the United States, as well as in Italy. I did my first calendar in 2005 and signed with my first agency in 2007. Wow, my goodness. Nice. (laughs) So you look like you could be a a good Italian uh, model. (laughs) Oh, it was fun. And you'd be surprised, actually, that everybody looks a bit different out there than than what we kind of think of here in the States. But gorgeous people, just beautiful Yeah, Marcus went out there last year. (laughs) We were talking a little bit yesterday when I was uh, talking to you about the podcast and I was there in May for my sister's wedding and she did it at, in Tuscany, Italy. And it was like nice. this beautiful, we had a, like two villas. We spent a week and a half out there. Um, but you're right. Like the people are beautiful. Yeah. They dress. I mean, you can the like culture, Americans yeah. like me, you can poke out like you can, they stick yes. out like a sore thumb. Oh, over yeah. There. Oh, <laughs> T-shirt, jeans, hat, like white socks. Yeah. yeah white socks. <laughs> okay. American. I get black socks. <laughs> I've had black socks for 10 years. Someone put me on black socks a while ago and I was like, yes, this is the best. I don't know why, but it's better. <laughs> it's all better, but no, it's beautiful over there for sure. I want to, I want to kind of peel things back because okay. you have an amazing story about kind of how you came into being a model. And uh, let's start just from the very beginning of your story. Cause it's, it's very inspiring. Thank you. Well, I lived with my mom, my biological mom, um, and we kind of just surfed across the country in homeless shelters and soup kitchens and landed in Colorado Springs. And my when I was eight, nine to almost 10, I lived at the Salvation Army off Sierra Madre um, until I was put into foster care. And I had three foster homes. My third foster home adopted me at 14. And that's when I started going to Lewis Palmer High School and Monument. They really gave me a huge chance at life. And I'm just ever so grateful. Um, But I was always a very hard worker. I could not wait to work at 15. As soon as I got permission to work, I started working. And I would spend my summers working and saving up money. One summer in high school, I worked three jobs at the same time. Um, and I moved out of the house as soon as I could at 19 years old and graduated early with extra credits in English wow. and science. So I was a little bit behind because I actually didn't go to full-time school like a normal child until I was in foster care. So I started school really at fourth grade. Wow. Um, so I ended up graduating at 19. I was a little bit behind, but I ended up making sure I worked to get ahead, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I just... I started being a makeup artist in retail. I think that really bridged the gap professionally to get me into modeling. But um, I was in, let's see, let's see, like 2005, I was getting some big tattoos put on. And so I was walking for my tattoo artist out of Colorado Springs in tattoo competitions and tattoo expos and stuff here. 
And a group of people found me called the Iron Angels. And these are girls who posed on very rare custom-made bikes all across the United States. And uh, they're like, you're great for us. You'd be perfect. So jump on board. They put me in their calendar and they would fly us out to different biker rallies where we could sign the calendars and um, just sell the calendars too. But that gave me the start that I needed to a portfolio to sign mm -hmm. on with a professional agency who is Donna Baldwin out of Denver. Nice. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's crazy. Well, let's, let's start a little bit further back because there's a lot there that you just said, especially like K through 12. Yeah. Obviously it was like really fourth grade through 12 for you. Yeah. How was that adjustment? I mean, obviously like going through like foster families and stuff, I, I know that could be very tough. My business partner for my marketing company just fostered a, a son at, okay. I think he's not, uh, actually fostered him at six. And then they finally got like everything done, but he was seven. Um, but he's talked about like just the integration into his family. It's their only child too. So it wasn't like they're being integrated into like a family of other kids, other siblings. Um, but it's been a beautiful thing to see, but it's also been, you know, the transition is, can be very tough for the child too. Was yeah. that similar to you as well? Um, and now we're word from our sponsors. Planet Duct. So do you want to tell us a little bit about who Planet Duct is? Do you know who they are? Uh, they do, what do they do, Air Andrew? Duct, Air Duct Cleaning. Planet Duct is an amazing air duct cleaning company here in Colorado Springs. Most powerful vacuums. Most powerful vacuums? More, vacuums are more powerful than the vacuum of space. Franchise, franchise Succeed. Succeed. All right, so Franchise Succeed is a company that takes mid-sized businesses and they help them expand them nationwide. Yeah, they help them become a franchise. A cool business for anyone who is looking to franchise their business and expand their business and scale their business. They have the resources that you need. Yeah. Ron Burgundy. Yeah. And, and you're Christine Applegate. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Neon, Neon Pig. Neon Pig Creative is a graphic design agency located in downtown Colorado Springs. They are artists, communicators, and lovers of our community. Their team provides branding, websites, design, and development, and print design with- It's so good, guys. Check them out, Neon Pig Creative. They're great. They're okay. located in downtown Colorado Springs, just uh, by Brakeman's Burgers. It's a good spot, so check them out. Okay. They do really good branding. Yeah. Epic Eyewear. Epic Eyewear brings style and clarity with their affordable veteran-owned sunglasses. From polarized to sports eyewear, find your perfect pair with a lifetime warranty at epiceyewear.com. Redefine mortgages. So this company pretty much caters to their first-time home buyers, low credit scores, and more. That's true, they do. Yep. So start your journey with redefinemortgages.com. That's redefinemortgages.com. Exponential, Exponential impact. impact. <laughs> Andrew, this is a sick spot that you got here, my man. Oh, I wonder what it is. What is it? It's Exponential Impact. Oh, what is that, man? This is so cool. Exponential Impact is a startup accelerator incubator who really helps business tech businesses get the funding they need uh, to, to really grow their, their tech company. ExponentialImpact.com. I'm very easygoing and I... Even as a child, I just really wanted to be a good kid and mm -hmm. please people and follow the rules and stuff. So I think that really helped. Um, my mother taught me how to love. She was a very loving person. And so I think that really set me up for success being in new environments. And um, mm -hmm. so, yeah, it's you'd be surprised randomly going to a new person's house and being expected to to understand the new routine and the new rules. Everybody actually lives quite differently mm -hmm. even though it's kind of similar like we all have breakfast and we all have dinner you know that type of thing but at the same time it, it, there's a a quick adjustment period that needs to happen in order to be successful um, but I actually feel like that taught me a lot of great life lessons because 
I ended up marrying into the military, my best friend's army, and we ended up falling in love in our mid-20s, even though we knew each other in high school. And so just the same kind of thing is applying where we have 22 months to 24 months in a new place. So mm -hmm. you better hit the ground running, figure out your market, make your friends, do your thing as fast as you can, and then you can enjoy that establishment for longer if you can establish it quicker, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, that's, you, you said you went through three foster homes when you first? I did. Why, why was that? So the first, the first foster home that kids usually are put into is kind of a transition homing. It's a it's a place where they tend to stay. I think we were only supposed to be there for a month and I think oh, okay. I was there for three months. But it's basically like a temporary housing until they can find something that's more stable for you. Mm -hmm. The second home I was in, um, they were going through some personal issues and ended up getting a divorce. And they were so sad and wanted to keep me, but it wasn't a stable situation. And so they had to send me along. Mm -hmm. And then the third home that I was in, they were not able to have babies themselves. And so they had been waiting um, to adopt. Mm -hmm. And I do have a brother who was adopted and he was there already. Oh, nice. um, they adopted him as an infant. And so I came into the situation with a teenage brother. Um, yeah. And I think that they didn't completely know what to expect. It's really hard to understand the state and their processing and uh, all the hoops you have to jump through in order to gain custody or the support you need to provide with an attitude and an understanding that the biological parents do have chances to get the children back. Um, and I think that was a little challenging, but they just, they never gave up. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. And then, so you're transitioning with a new family mm -hmm. um, and you're starting school almost from scratch at an older age. Yeah. How was the school adjustment? Because I'm, I'm assuming these kids are reading and writing, yeah. probably learning cursive, whatever yeah. it might be. Was that a hard adjustment for you as well? So... Thankfully, one of the things that are a beautiful free resource is the library. And so my biological mom and I spent a lot of time in the library reading and just it was our entertainment. It was our together time. And so I wasn't completely illiterate, although I was far behind and there was a lot of catching up to do. I'm sure required a lot of patience from my teachers, um, but I also had a very street attitude. And so I was ready to defend myself in any way I needed to. I had a. a I, I was very rough mm -hmm. coming into a situation where the kids were, um, they just, it was a different culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was a little bit more affluent area too, that you moved into. Cause we were just talking before Absolutely. the show Absolutely. of like yeah. North K and the area where you grew up is very, it's, it's a very affluent area for yeah. sure. It was more upper middle-class housing. Um, yeah. So it was definitely adjustment. I remember on career day, they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to be a maid because my mom taught me how to clean and how to be very honest and not steal and stuff like that. My mom had awesome ethics and morals. Um, and so she was basically just trying to teach me how to survive. That's, right. you know, baseline. Um, and so when career day came around, they're like, well, we have a little bit of concern about your mind frame. We'd like you to aim higher than, than that. And not to say that that's not a great job. You know, it's lucrative and it's good. Um, but they just wanted me to kind of shift my mind frame from poverty and the streets to uh, utilizing the new resources I had before me. Mm -hmm. That made sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I think. so much yeah. grit of a young person to go through all those different things at such a young age 
And no wonder you're working through your credits at such like, you know, 18, 19 to get out of school and get wherever you needed to go. I mean, it just speaks to your, your grit and just like being able to have to be, like you said, survival mode is a whole nother mode that a lot of kids just at that age don't know about just yet. Right. 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 Yeah. It's, it's, a um, that's really cool. And it probably shaped the way for your whole life. So let's talk a little bit about like more getting into the modeling. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of people just think models, they kind of just, uh, get hired and that's really it. But there's a lot of like business, um, ethics and different things that you have to learn from yourself, right. In order to really thrive in that industry. Correct. I love that you bring that up. Yeah. Um, well, especially today, now that we have Instagram and all these different social media platforms and, um, the word model is used very loosely. And so I tend to introduce myself as an independent contractor to, because mm -hmm. the word model doesn't really fully encompass all that I do. I'm brand ambassadoring. I'm, um, organizing and project managing. I'm doing all kinds of other high level things. Now that I've done it for so long, I'm not just sitting in front of a camera and I'm certainly not mm -hmm. just taking selfies in gym locker rooms. <laughs> you are sitting in front of a camera right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's so much more it. to it. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. 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 Just like today setting up these cameras, it's, it's a two hour process, you know, it's like, there's a lot of things that, that goes into uh, a lot of industries, I think, that people just don't see. And right. I, for models, I, I, I don't see anything else because I've I never, I've worked with models and agencies before at being a videographer. Oh. Um, but like, you don't re really get, I don't think most people get to see that side of models. It's like, for most people, it's probably they just take pictures. And so what are some of the, like, is there any examples you have that you've done of some of the work outside of just sitting behind the camera? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think one of the most vital asset to modeling is networking and understanding uh, your relationships with your community and with business owners, with designers, with photographers, um, buyers. There's a huge amount of people. Any business owner I could assist. I mean, if they're a real estate agent or anything, I've done real estate videos. Mm -hmm. um, the idea is that we are very much connected. We are all consumers and it's about spreading brand awareness and really highlighting people in what they're doing, whether they're service providers, they have a new product. I can help um, demonstrate products. I can also help create the products. Being a fit model means, um, let's say Ketty Vani is one of my favorite clients that I'm working with. She's a designer out of Denver. And so I would put on a suit jacket for her. I would be her standard size, small six, and she would be working on the seams and creating okay. the length. Instead of just using a mannequin, I can be moving and showing you how things are pulling and adjusting on the body. Yeah. Um, Spider athletic clothing out of Boulder also hires fit models to make sure their garments are actually tailored correctly. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So product development is actually a huge part of what I do as well. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting, especially nowadays in the times that we're at with like plus size models and just like, mm -hmm. I guess how we view beauty in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. Has that had a pretty big effect on your industry as a whole, bringing in folks who are plus models? And I, I just don't know enough about it, but I know that's been a big thing that's been kind of maybe the past 10 years, right? It's huge. It's very, very relevant to our culture right now. So we had a big push in as far as uh, print and commercial advertising. We want to see plus size people. We want to see a more diverse collection of what beauty is. Mm -hmm. We want to see something we can each relate to. And that's a very beautiful, inclusive thing. Um, and I think 
just as soon as our marketing has moved in that direction and we're really seeing different shapes and sizes and everything, now we have AI coming up. And oh, I think yeah. that's very relevant to be aware of computer generated models mm -hmm. and wow. yeah. that are like just hyper presented in yeah. different ways. And um, so if we really want to keep seeing real people in our advertising, we need to be aware of what AI looks like because mm. you're starting to see it more and more out there. Yeah, actually, I've uh, designed a website for a client and uh, I used an AI generated model as uh -huh. one of the main images, actually. Uh -huh. And it, it, say, it was cost effective for us because it's helped save us not having to spend that. But that also does take away from hiring a model to do that, you know, and the, the AI image that I used. I first I showed them uh, the website and then I told them and they were like, they were like, that's that's generated. You can't even tell. You Half can't the time tell the you difference. Can't tell. No. no. And you can get very specific with it, too. It's like if you need someone with a blonde hair, if you need someone that looks like mm -hmm. this or if you need a plus size. You age can, demographics. Yeah, age, everything. exactly. Yeah. And you can get down into those nitty gritties. And uh, I, I do videography. So it's like just a couple of days ago, Sora came out or announced, which is a OpenAI's video generator. Um, it can now create videos that don't look like you've seen those AI videos that oh, like yeah. look crappy and they kind of like everywhere. <laughs> Very animated. Now it's like they can actually nail it pretty well now. Yeah. And it's in, it's not even released yet, but yeah. yeah, they're still figuring all that stuff out. So it can be scary. Is it scary for you? <laughs> um, well, the artist in me is fascinated and, yeah, me too. and yeah. appreciative <laughs> because I am a supporter of arts, fine arts, all arts. Me too. Um, and I think it's just really cool, but at the same time, it is counterproductive to the direction we've been trying to go as far as portraying everyday people. Mm. Um, and because I've seen like super skinny, very weird yeah. framed AI generated humans, um, silver fox version of humans, but just with less wrinkles and stuff. And so we're going to become a little bit more confused as to what is real and what is not. Yeah. I think it's just the nature of mm -hmm. the beast. And we already kind of are because with filters and mm -hmm. and like Instagram mm -hmm. and stuff like that, it's yeah. kind of already skewed yeah. what that is, I think. <laughs> so the difference between hiring a model that's human and skipping the cost and AI generating something that's just fantastic is you're losing network. You're mm -hmm. losing the ground, the boots on the ground that mm -hmm. we are. When we go out, I'm wearing a Kedivani jacket. My earrings, I could tell you about, they have a cool story. Everybody that I encounter, I will be bringing with me the people who yeah, are in my yeah. portfolio and my network. And we create a strength in networking, right? And so community is always going to be something that we need to value, no matter the industry we work in. Um, and so if we're dealing with AI generated things, you're going to lose community. Yeah, I, I 100 percent feel, feel that for sure. But it's like it's going to happen, though. It is going to happen. <laughs> it is. So yeah. at least we need to be mindful of it and understand what we're looking at. I think that's going to be the hard thing is knowing what is real and what is not. Mm -hmm. I think it's very important for the human touch um, with anything. Like you said, you, you walk around, you're wearing the things that um, the folks that have worked with you, yeah. have given you. And I think there's there's a whole different thing than an AI generated image of something that someone's wearing, right? Like right. you can tell the story of the background. Yeah, I think as humans, we really do yearn for the human touch as much as we don't need it as much today. And right. as much as it seems like we don't more and more as technology goes on. But you're so right, like a human connection, a personal story about yeah. 
you getting these earrings from a cart in Italy or whatever it might be. Like <laughs> we buy the story too. And I'm a marketer. So like, it's all oh, about the, yeah. the story yeah. and the emotional draw of right. something that you get, right. Or something right. that you purchase or whatever it might be. So yeah, it's really interesting to think down that line. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, I'm curious to see what happens next, but I think you're right. I think that we're never really going to lose that human touch of having someone there, you know? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, I had a question for you too, for, uh, cause obviously you said you married, um, someone you knew in high school, he's in the mm -hmm. military, mm -hmm. you guys fell in love in your mid twenties. Yeah. Um, how does he feel as, as a husband? Cause I know like for me, my girlfriend, she's a very beautiful woman and, and obviously like we worry about like other people of other sexes looking at our partner and being like, it might be some insecurities there. Generally, when I'm talking, generally speaking, I'm not saying your husband does or anything like that, but yeah. has that ever been like a, a part of your guys' relationship? But he's like, I'm a beautiful wife and you know, people are gonna be looking at her or does he not really have that? He is very, very. And now a word from our sponsors. Pinnacle, Pinnacle Advanced Primary, primary care. care. Pinnacle Advanced Primary Care is a healthcare company. Do you know what they do? Yeah, so you just pay a monthly subscription. So essentially they help you have better health care, more affordable health care. Wow. That's pinnacleapc.com. Fast Signs. Fast Signs enhances your business visibility with custom signs, graphics, and marketing materials. Discover innovative branding solutions tailored to your needs at fastsigns.com. Cars Helping Charities. Cars Helping Charities. Donate your car and make an impact with Cars Helping Charities. Your donation supports various causes with easy free pickup service. Make a difference today at carshelpingcharities.org. And what charity are we going to use today? We're going to use Mattersville. Mattersvillevets.org, right? <laughs> <laughs> Mattersvillevets.org. That's what we're going to use. Absolutely. Check them out, guys. They are a tiny house community based in Stalia, Colorado, but they have locations all over, including other parts of Colorado. I think they have Hartzell as well that they just set up as well. Mm. Kansas locations, Florida oh, locations. Oh, yeah, Kansas the one. It's in Olathe. Olathe. Oh, I didn't even know. That's a hard one to pronounce for sure. Check them out, guys. Is very very secure and if I mean he is human so if he has moments of jealousy he um, he just is very kind and understanding through that and if he has concerns he knows he can voice them to me because he's my best friend but there are legitimate concerns um, and so especially when I'm moving with him to random markets in my industry, but they're strategic as far as the army is concerned, I am building my brand from ground up. Every market is completely isolated. Right. Um, and so I'm hitting a new network that has new market demands, new fashion, new agencies, like everything is completely different. So I am putting myself out there independently. And that is really where a lot of danger can lie mm. um, because I'm connecting with people randomly on the internet, showing up to new locations. When you're in a new market, you may not have somebody you can go to for references on people who you are intending to work with. And so there's a lot of risk in that. Human trafficking is a real thing. Yeah, I have actually had three instances of human trafficking come across my path since I moved home to Colorado mm -hmm. in the no. last two years. Especially with model the modeling industry, it's, they they, they promise you jobs. They say go do this. They'll tell oh you, gosh. oh, it's just a little bit moral compromise, a little bit of a moral compromise. Mm. If you get on to camera, then they're going to push you more and more, make you feel obligated to to get involved in something. And so it's really important to vet what you're doing before you do it. And that's why an agency, that's one of the reasons why agencies are so important to you, to the business. Um, but to the, I know that one of the things that 
one of many because I'm so experienced, are human trafficking. The woman that I was corresponding with on Instagram ended up on the news, busted about a year, probably less than a year ago. Oh my gosh. Um, for human trafficking. And she's just one person. This is a huge mm -hmm. industry. This is a huge network. And, and they so, don't look like a person that would be, a, they they look like a legit person. Like Oh no, <laughs> she, she was like, I, I love collecting information. So I just carried on this conversation with her and she gave me all these details of these different things that she's planning. But I'm like, this is human trafficking 100%. Wow. Um, and so it, it, any concerns that he would have are valid because he knows that I love him. He's my best friend. And yeah, there's no mistake worth sacrificing our marriage. So he doesn't have to worry about me as far as a typical jealous relationship could be. You know? yeah. yeah, I figured. Yeah. I mean, I figured as much. Yeah. as well but i i didn't even think about the human trafficking it's, piece to that it's real. i Marcus, know you have a marsha hair sticking out of the top of your oh, head do I? <laughs> just just rub it right here um uh, there you go <laughs> it looked like you had like an extra hair just <laughs> <flying> off. <laughs> um i was just gonna say so the i-25 corridor for trafficking i think is one of the main corridors as well right wow. I, I i'm, I'm pretty I mean, dang sure i watched the movie sounds of freedom i don't know if you've heard mm -hmm. of it it's about child human trafficking it's a very interesting movie. It just came out like nine months ago. Um, but it shows how close to home and the fact that like human slavery is actually bigger today than it ever has been in human history. And people don't even know that. It's and the U.S. is one of the biggest human trafficking. It's like almost the human trafficking capital. And a lot of people don't know that. So there is a whole lot of like things that are big issues in our country that are not being talked about. And you're probably one of those people who are getting exposed to it. Um, more than most people even know, because like for me, I don't have any, at least I don't feel like I have any instances where I'm in contact with people that would, you, don't realize, you know, yeah. or in my sphere of people I know or care about. Unfortunately, but. I think it's one of those evils that's right under your nose, but you just don't realize because you have no connection to it at all. But, um, yeah, in my industry, it's a legitimate concern. Um, and a lot of models want to say, oh, I'm freelance. I book on my own, but you have to have an agency if you want to be considered a professional. Mm -hmm. um, it's like the music industry in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah, and you can book little jobs on the side if you don't have an exclusive contract with an agency, but they're never going to be multi-thousand dollar jobs that mm -hmm. you would get from a reputable client yeah. through an agency. They're not going to, you need that legal backing. Yeah. You need someone who's reading and writing contracts on your behalf. If you understand legal jargon, all the more yeah. the uh, connections power that they'll to have you. Too. Right, yeah. but... But yeah, in order to get a huge job, you would have to know somebody who knows somebody and that just puts you in a niche, you know, mm -hmm. that's an agency is going to broaden your scope and your connection so much more. So you're going to be more protected. They're going to sift through mm -hmm. what I call bottom feeders. Yeah. Um, and bottom feeders are people who are out to capitalize on other people's dreams mm -hmm. and give you, you know, promises of grandeur and all the steps that you need to do, develop a portfolio, connect with photographers, all the things, give you lessons. But the fact of the matter is, most of it you can do on your own. You don't have to pay somebody else to do. Mm -hmm. And the really the biggest thing you need to do is prepare yourself to get into the into a reputable agency. Yeah, it makes sense. How do you how do you do that? What's the ways to prepare? Great, great question. Um, so a lot of agencies are accepting people uh, with digitals these days, and a digital is a full length or three quarters or headshot photograph of you, um, and it doesn't have to be edited. It doesn't have to be hyper 
makeup, like crazy makeup and all the other stuff. They want to see you just as you are a blank mm. canvas yes. so that you're more marketable to a more diverse array of clients. Mm -hmm. um, so that's number one, face a good shot of your face and your profile. So frontwards and sideways um, and then the full length and everything and just present yourself as you are. Mm -hmm. Any networking aspects of that as well, too? Not necessarily. Okay. Not You know what is so funny? I love my agency. They have treated me like family. I've gotten some huge jobs for them. And I come across people that I think are beautiful and great examples of what a model could be. And I send them in there and, they're, and it might not be the right time for them. They mm -hmm. might not be looking for their look. Um, and so networking doesn't necessarily help. They knew me. It didn't help. Um, mm. but it's just about market trends and what's on demand and, um, how much experience you have. Are you in the right place at the right time? Mm. And there's no reason to not keep applying to these agencies. I applied to one yeah. agency four times out of DC and then they finally accepted me. And then I decided they weren't booking me the right kind of jobs. They weren't representing yeah. me. <laughs> right. And I ended up leaving them anyway. Wow. So it's just a matter of, of the the right time yeah. it's timing well in order to anything. show up at the right place in the right time you have yeah. to be prepared you know right. and if you're Being prepared. prepared then like if you're not prepared and the right place and right time comes then you just missed it you know yeah yeah <laughs> so it's like showing up you got to show up every day and be just, your best yeah for sure yes. <laughs> when you work with an agency is there a lot of deployed resources they supply you with like uh I don't even know, like nutrition plan like is there anything like that or is that all as an independent contractor you have to do on your own and find your own resources for? Um, no, you're very, very independent. Um, actually, when I first started with my agency, I remember working so hard trying to re reduce my waist size. I have um, more of an athletic body. So my obliques and my lats like contribute kind of to my waist size. Um, but I and they would measure me every time I go in to make sure that I'm exactly what I am representing myself to be because to the centimeter, it can be very important that you are exactly the size that you say that you are. Mm -hmm. And so I was working really hard to reduce my waist size and Donna Baldwin herself stopped me and she said, stop trying to lose weight. Stop, just be what you are. We want you to be wow. what you are. Um, and, and then that was my story, but it was, I was already being careful of diet and fitness and trying to be my best, but to go overboard isn't helpful, right? And so I just remember feeling so liberated in that moment and being like, I'm okay. This, this one or two inches, I'm okay. Um, and so there was some guidance on makeup and I remember her telling me wear less jewelry. You don't need to be like ornate, just be, just be naturally who you are and what you are. Um, and that is funny that we need that reminder so much. I think because we always have these preconceived notions of what is in demand around us, what we should be, or like, you know, all of these ideas. But the mm. fact of the matter is you're probably good enough just as you are. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so when you have other friends who are independent contractors, models, whatever, mm -hmm. do you guys like spit around like different types of resources? Like yeah. I have a nutrition from here or, yes. you know, personal trainer from over here. Like what does that world look like with um, your network of folks? So... Well, I'll use these earrings as an, as an uh, example. So I was doing a collaboration photo shoot with a photographer who happened to have this box of jewelry on him. And he's like, hey, let's just throw these in. We can just get them some marketing and some attention. It turns out these earrings are from canned goods out of Denver, handmade out of tin cans. 
That's awesome. They're yeah. gorgeous. High yeah, fashion really cool. jewelry. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I'm just so proud of this brand because they are so authentic. They donate a can of food for every purchase. Um, and it's, it's a mission behind it. Nice. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's sustainable. It's high fashion. It's a reasonably priced and it's for a good cause. It's like everything, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and so I would not have known about them if it wasn't for him. And so then, of course, I pass this on to other people and there you go. There's your network. Mm -hmm. And then it's almost like a spider web. Just they the, got an Instagram handle. They do. Canned goods. Yep. Um, I don't have the. I can, can find look it real up, quick. Yeah. yeah. Look it up. Canned goods. It's a good thing about it's podcasting. Just canned goods. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's C-A-N-N-E-D. Oh, cool. Yeah. And they're like canned good earrings or like is there any earrings, bracelets? Oh, yeah. It's all handmade. Can I give them a shout out on yes. the show for yes. sure. We were talking about um, before the show while he's pulling that up um, for your love of Denver and like how you've mm. moved all around the country and yeah. you found yourself back in that market and just loving, you know, Denver for what it is. Can you talk a little bit more about that and probably the evolution Absolutely. of it? Because I know you've been in the Colorado area for a long time as well and probably seen a lot of changes in that space, in that area. You oh, know? yeah. So um, there is a pretty good fashion industry in Denver, believe it or not. But it's and the strongest aspect of Denver's market is commercial, commercial print, commercial video. And so we'll see. Like I just filmed with Emmett Smith and what? Peyton Manning That's in the Bud Light commercial. What? Yeah, That's yeah. Awesome. I, was extra, I was an extra in that. I've worked with uh, Caesars NFL as they were launching and rebranding their new casino and Blackhawk. So I've had some like huge bookings recently. Um, but always there's like there's a pretty good commercial presence up there. Um, and as we were moving with the army we kind of just gradually went more east. And so there's a quick stop in Oklahoma, no no market there. It was yeah. um, pretty dry out there. And then as I got toward DC, there's the Maryland, Virginia, DC, they call it the DMV area. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty productive. It's close to Philadelphia. It's just a hop, skip and a jump away from New York. So there's some good fashion out there. But my second favorite market would have been Florida because you have a lot of commercial advertising as far as the you know, there's Disney, Bush Gardens, there's all the cruises. It's just a very commercial lifestyle mm -hmm. out there because of all the traveling. Yeah, international um, too, because of where it's at. Right, mm -hmm. right. So that was a very strong market to work in. Enjoyed that. But every single market is very isolated that I have been a part of. So my mm. agency wasn't really able to help me transi transition into a new market. Um, but they always supported me here at home. There was kind of the home base. Right. Is yeah. it canned goods clothing? Um, no. Because I typed this that one in. canned goods right at the top. Oh, nice. Okay. Yes, canned goods. Canned goods co. Okay, canned goods co. That's their Instagram handle. Cool. Yes. Look at that. And I'll, I'll probably pop some images. Yeah. Up on the screen up during this episode. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. That's really just cool. Pop it up. In Miami, yeah. I mean Miami is just like such an aesthetic. I don't know if you were in Miami when you said you're in the state of Florida. I went there seven years ago and like speaking of like, I mean, like a, the most beautiful people you've ever seen in your life walking around, at least in America that I've ever seen is probably Miami and like the aesthetics and the cars and the nightclubs and the whatever it it's might be. Huge art scene. Huge art creative, scene. Great food. food. <laughs> Seafood's amazing. The Cuban influence. Yeah. My uncle lives there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's very cool over there. Um, we have some good friends actually who are big luminaries in Colorado Springs. Flip and Maritza. Oh yeah. Flip and Maritza. Um, they're from Miami. They're big Miami people and they live here now. But it's, it's really cool because I mean, if I think of a fashion, I think of like 
Miami and like their crazy fashion and what they have, yeah. at least for America. Like when I was in Italy, that was a, like a whole another step of like fashion and people's aesthetics and things of that nature. Do you have any thoughts about like just us in general versus, cause I know you lived in Italy as well, yeah. right? Um, I think where you live heavily influences what you wear, not only because of the climate, but mm -hmm. because of just the culture. Like if you were to dress Miami and then move to DC, you would stand out. Um, <laughs> DC is very political and you're dealing with a lot of elites and it's very business oriented. And so mm -hmm. their fashion um, is gonna be quite different. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's important to remember that when you move to a new market, you need to, again, adjust as quickly as possible to meet the standards that mm -hmm. are around you so that you can be successful for as long as you can, as soon as you can. Um, that seems to be a recurring theme in your life, by the way, adjusting on the fly. Really I think quickly. it's relevant <laughs> to everybody. I really do. I think it's relevant to everybody. Yeah, I'm wearing a, a brimless hat right here. And I've oh, never cool. heard of, I never heard of a brimless hat before until I got this. And then as soon as I said that, Edgar is like, you'd fit in with uh, in Denver. And oh. if you think about it, it does seem like a Denver thing, you know? I do love that yeah. hat. I it's thought cool, it was yeah. a beanie. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. That's I saw the back. Thought, but it's, it's fitted. Yeah. It's, it's exactly sewn like a hat would be sewn, but it's just brimless. And I'm like, I like that. Because yeah. <laughs> I like to wear hats because sometimes I, I just, it just, I just like to wear hats. But yeah. We <laughs> but had, yeah. Um, this is, this is hilarious because it's almost a year to the day. We had um, a fellow luminary in the Springs known as a, or na his name is James Proby. Uh -huh. And he owns like a, um, a clothing store. What's it like a um, secondhand men's exchange? Uh, so it's, yeah. he he gets suits from like thrift stores and stuff like that, and, and restores them, or people donate to these suits. And everything in the store is like fifty dollars. Like, and oh, the, yeah. they can be really nice suits or just like formal wear. Yeah, for, former regular suits. But they also every tenth uh, suit they sell, they donate to someone who needs uh, who needs nice. like suits and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and it just he's very big on like. Uh, make people looking presentable, you know, right. and not just wearing sweatpants when uh -huh. you go out or he was talking about how in Colorado Springs or in exactly. Colorado, people will wear hiking shoes to, and they'll wear their hiking shoes, but they'll have like nice stuff on. So, cause, so they can go on a hike afterwards or something like that. Yeah. And, Athleisure yeah. wear. Yeah, it's Colorado yeah. Springs. Uh, I was going to look for the, the site on this statistic, but a while back I saw Colorado Springs was ranked eighth worst dressed. Rest town yeah, he's, I think he mentioned which it. is yeah. miserable so I'm so excited about Colorado Springs Fashion Week that's starting to launch okay this will be the second year I walked um for Geo and Style last year for Colorado Springs Fashion Week um and Silvani Silvani Fashion um but this is going to create a legitimate fashion movement that's awesome that we can rely on to bring together our networks bring together our business owners our community our service providers um, and everybody can contribute to creating this fantastic show and one thing that's very interesting about fashion shows since we're on that comment is um, usually buyers would be intendants of fashion shows and that's where the revenue comes from is buyers show up to see the designers work and then order product mm. from the show to supply places like Neiman Marcus or or Kohl's or that type of thing. Um, it's not like that anymore. Now fashion shows are more for entertainment and alternative to mm -hmm. going to the club or to the movies. And so there's not the revenue in it that it once was. And that's a big way that uh, fashion has changed through the years. But um, as a side note, 
because we were talking about that. I don't, sorry if I derailed the conversation. No, you're good. It's good to derail. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm really hoping to see a bigger fashion presence. People are excited to get dressed. Um, that we really want to be sh mm -hmm. shopping local, shop from the designers. Most people don't know that you can shop directly from the designer, from their website. You mm -hmm. don't have to go to the mall or to Amazon or to all these places. Right. And you're getting designer level garments like sports coats or whatever but it's you're supporting local too mm. it's probably not marked up either no yeah. no it's not <laughs> and it's like, going more money to them too as well <laughs> so it's really really hard right now designers have had a really hard time getting off of the ground because um let's take Ketty vani for an in, for instance her quality she is she excels in quality. She will accept no mistakes. So she does everything. She cuts the fabrics. She creates the patterns. She sews the fabrics. Um, and she creates her samples with technical packages so that they can be distributed to manufacturers or to mm. buyers. And they can create the supply that they want of that. Um, but because she wants to have such high quality, she's been sewing every garment wow. in her sewing room producing most stores want maybe 15 12 size smalls or size mediums all the sizes so um if you were to outsource pro production to let's say china because it's cost effective um then their minimal ordering is going to be 50 of one size so then she has all this extra around she has to find boutiques to sell through mm -hmm. and people just really aren't getting out and shopping like they used to in person and so we're mm -hmm. really not shopping local and not getting out there is affecting so many people on so many levels. Um, and it's really more important than we've, mm. than we realize. We should bring up, uh, Clay Ross, uh, Yobel. Have you heard of Yobel downtown? Shop Yobel. I think I have yeah, actually. He, they were, he was on the show like a few episodes back. Oh, okay. Uh, him and his wife actually, uh, own the company and they only source, uh, from ethical, like, uh, artisans essentially like, in different countries as well too, but they make sure that it's like handcrafted and sourced from, eth it's ethically done and not like slave labor or right. something like that. Right. <laughs> Which happens a lot apparently is what he was talking about. You don't even realize. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's really cool. I, I definitely uh, check them out. You probably, you probably like some stuff over there. And it's, yeah. and I think it's in within like, some like something that you believe in and something you like as well too. So, I mean, yeah. from what we're, I only known you for an hour, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Our downtown area has gotten a lot of those great shops and we, our hearts mm -hmm. still go out to them because they got caught up in a fire a I couple months ago. And He's so a painter smoke. as well too. Yes. Oh. And we should get into that and too. And he was in his store, one of the ones that were affected by the yep. fire. The oh, smoke. that's so unfortunate. Yeah. They're still looking for a space because they had to move out of that space because they had like a 12 month of like, you can't come back here oh. for the smoke damage. The smoke damage. So they're looking for a new spot right now mm -hmm. and they're still supportive and um, First Friday art walks like they're still big in the community even though mm -hmm. they don't have their own place anymore which is yeah. but he does have a gallery so I think that would be a great connection and we can actually the look maybe segue into your your painting we haven't talked about that yet. Oh, yeah yes. okay. let's talk a little bit about that some fine art right tell Absolutely. us a little bit about that I create custom fine art for the home or office and I draw paint draw or paint um, realistically surrealism abstract whatever you'd like and I like to do it on alternative surfaces such as stone or wood or I can work on canvas and paper uh, traditional surfaces just depending on what the customer wants and typically I think what happens is somebody sees a wall space and they just kind of daydream about what they wish they could put there mm -hmm. and they have ideas but they can't find it online to be the exact size or shape or whatever. It's not just not perfectly what they imagined. And so that's where I come in. 
And so I collaborate with the art buyers oh, okay. and I can create what they've been envisioning. Help them think of what they've been envisioning yeah, too. Or we can fine tune ideas <laughs> yeah. or I could just come up with it on my own, whatever they yeah. need. Yeah. That's cool. And so that, that's got to be, that's, that's a unique, I think, aspect of that. You're not just painting and then selling. You're oh. working with the people to help them come up with their vision. And <sighs> then so how, how, how does that, how's that been going for you? Excellent. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> I've, I just did a graphite drawing of a gentleman's daughters and graphite inherently has a reflective nature to it. Uh -huh. um, just to be pencil, just yeah, yeah. plain pencil. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so I was, I, in the final stages of creating my artwork, I like to set it up and just kind of hang out in the room with it and do other things and look at it so I can find any mistakes that I've made or things I want to adjust. Mm -hmm. And it turned out her eyes would reflect light just right if I was kind of at a 45 degree angle from it. Yeah, yeah. That they were whited out. And what? then, but all the other graphite, I have this on my fine art Instagram, which I'm just getting off the mm -hmm. ground. You can see 357 Magnolia underscore fine art. Mm -hmm. But as I moved the camera to be straight on with the picture and came into it, her eyes darkened. And there is no video trick to it at all. Yeah. It's just the way light interacts with artwork. It's yeah. unbelievable. So are you mixed media? Mixed media. So you're an mm -hmm. MMA art. M you're, you, you could MMA. say that. <laughs> MMA. Mixed, mixed media artist. <laughs> you could say that. Um, yeah. So drawing or painting. Um, I've melted color pencils with turpentine. I figured out how to manipulate stain onto wood to create dimensionality um, and a, a, a value from light to dark. So I refinished my grandparents' kitchen table with this fantastic... Uh, landscape and the leaf can either be in the table and it create there's a, a river that goes through the center of the composition and there's a mountain range in the back and it's all cohesive with the leaf or without the leaf so I take out the oh, river cool. close yeah. the table and the mountain range and the landscape is still cohesive oh nice that's, that's so cool like so you're very you have that creative side of you for sure yeah. where did that come from in your life was that um, always there inherently with you or? Oh, that's a really good question. I think my mom was really creative. She loved singing and she had an eccentric extrovert personality and she just drawing and sitting around. I mean, it's a, it's a pastime that doesn't cost much money, right? Yeah. Like mm -hmm. you can draw on the dirt with a stick. Um, and that's probably where it was. But I think in middle school, I remember specifically being like, I'm not really good at anything. You know, I'm not math oriented or I did love science, but it just, I wasn't sure how I would turn that into a future. And I just remember art being so comfortable mm -hmm. and I would sit and I would draw Looney Tunes characters and just kind of do tracing and stuff just for the fun of it. And then I realized I can really, I really have something here. That's a, a God given talent that I can hone and craft so I've just kind of done that, but it's mm -hmm. not necessarily the center of what I do. It just kind of keeps me sane. <laughs> I was kind of similar with how I got into art. I didn't even know I was, I was good at it until one time, uh, I was like drawn Dragon Ball Z characters and I would trace yeah. them sometimes too. And like, it's interesting how tracing can actually teach you some of the yes. fundamentals, but I was drawing, uh, Krillin in the moonlight cause I was supposed to be in bed and I was like in third grade and my mom came in the room and she seen that I was up and I was like, I thought I was going to get in trouble. And then she was like, she checked what I was doing and she like, just basically said like, wow, this is amazing. And then I, that's when I learned, I was like, oh, I'm actually probably good at this. And that, that positive reinforcement was obviously there as too, as well there too. But 
it was really really cool to have that like recognition because I thought I was gonna get in trouble and instead um, I got praise and it was actually kind of funny because when I was like 13 I did some graffiti and uh, on this building and got like someone called the cops on us and we were walking back home and we got busted but the person who the the build the person who owned the building where we did the graffiti on they actually liked the work so much that they didn't press charges so there's another incident oh, where yeah. I thought I was gonna get in trouble <laughs> and then I got praised instead so it was like maybe this is where I should go <laughs> and so it kind of led to me um, I make all my money through create create in the creative field now nowadays because video is a visual art yes. and I never knew that until I researched it recently I yeah. was like I didn't know video went of course it does it's a video it's visual right. Right, right. <laughs> and it's like it's creative and you have to get things right and angles and all this stuff you have to know the fundamentals of of art and it's just cool I don't know why I went on that story I just, I just wanted to I guess relate I love that <laughs> yeah. I love that story and I'm very inspired by that story because um I would love to see an increase of the arts among high-risk kids um mm. that's actually been a little secret daydream of mine I'm going to let loose right now is to help to organize groups where we can take high-risk kids that are creative and are just looking for an outlet, something healthy to be involved with, and we can give them opportunities for mural painting. Mm -hmm. um, mural painting is actually something I do have experience with, and I'm nice. friends with fantastic mural artists out of Denver, and I think it would be a really great thing to establish in Colorado Springs. Yeah, and it, it could be pretty lucrative too if you're able to get enough clients, I think, right. <laughs> and because right. people will pay thousands up, like for for murals and stuff yeah. like big, big murals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, talk to me because for both of you, actually, this is a question for both. I never usually have one for both of y'all. Yeah. <laughs> talk to me about how like creating something or drawing or painting or getting something on video, like what it does th therapeutically for you guys. Um, because there's something there, you know, to be like mm. focusing everything, getting all the outside noise and then focusing on a task and creating something. So Stephanie, you want to start that off? Like, what does it do therapeutically for you to kind of get out of your normal day to day and just create something? First of all, it's very, very difficult to get into that space because I can always come up with a reason why I'm too, too busy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, excuse me. I was telling Marcus that the other day. I was telling him I have 20 hours of editing to do and it's different than regular work because you have to get into You're it. You're harping on the right yeah. stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you have, to, you have sure. to prepare your space. Yeah. You have to get a hold of whatever tools you want to use. And it, it is a process. And then you have to ignore the dishes that need to be done or whatever, whatever pressing mm -hmm. things are on your mind. But as far as emotional wellness, I'm a big advocate for art um, because there was a, a hard stage in my life where I did battle depression and it was due to some external circumstances that were going on at the time. Um, and so I really used art as uh, something that would help me shift gears in my mind. So instead of staying at home and being tempted for self-harm, I would go to a coffee shop and I would draw. And whatever I drew, I knew I was in public, so I know I wasn't going to be making any sort of terrible mistakes. But uh, while I'm drawing, I would draw something like a fairy or something and maybe she's crying and then I realized she can be sad so I don't have to oh, and so wow. I would put this emotional energy into the piece that I'm creating and it would almost be alleviated you know mm -hmm. and then anytime I felt those severe negative feelings starting to boil up I just kind of repeated the process until eventually I was okay yeah that's oh, kind gosh. of interesting because beautiful yeah yeah when when I first started drawing like the Dragon Ball Z stuff being a naive kid and also drawing 
um, I thought I could capture their their superpowers if I could draw them. So oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> that was kind of why I wanted to draw them because I was yeah. like, if I could draw them, then I could be them. And yes. so it's kind of similar to like putting that onto the fairy of the sadness. And it's, it's, it's obviously your Reverse. version of that is a little more mature and, and it makes more sense. But yeah, <laughs> that, that, that was interesting. <laughs> I'm a big, big proponent of the idea of if you can dream it, you can you can manifest it. Yeah, and yeah. So I think like giving yourself the power and the ability to open your mind to these different circumstances, even if it's in your childhood. I, yeah. I think it's worth absolutely worth every moment and it's productive for sure. Yeah. Did you ever show your family those drawings or anything like that? Like, I know you said like you went to the coffee shop to kind of get away maybe from family stuff or whatever it might be, but like, did they ever see like what you were creating and how beautiful it was or where'd you get that external validation from? Thank you. There was no external validation in those moments. And I think it's something when you're managing meant, excuse me. Yeah, I'm the same way, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) Andrew's the only one who's safe right now. (laughs) Here, I'll... I'll, I'll. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so sorry. When you're managing mental health issues and really trying to, to... It doesn't matter if you're battling addiction or depression or PTSD or something. It's... It's something that's very private. And it's something that you are battling within your mind, within your body, within your habits, in your life. And... If you are trying to rely on external validation, you might end up not finding success because people can't see what's happening inside Mm -hmm. of you. Um, And you really just have to grow through this process on your own and have a firm idea of where you want to be and an honest idea of where you are. That's so powerful, for sure. Mm -hmm. I think it always starts with internally and within yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah, you gotta, you gotta do it for yourself because art is not an easy thing, you know, and it's like to, to learn, it's not an easy thing to learn. So it's like, if you're not internally motivated, I don't think that you're going to want to spend the time to figure out how to do do that stuff. So I think it's, yeah. it's has to be, has to come from within. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you, how do you balance the two? Because modeling in itself can be a huge art, right? As well. Do you feel like you can get those creative juices going on the fly when you're doing your your main job? There's a huge overlap of fine art and modeling for me. Um, And when it's coming, as far as creating vision boards for a photo shoot and creating a mood or piecing together props like cars or clothing or whatever, it's all very visual art, just Mm -hmm. the same. But Um, I actually did a fashion show a little bit ago where I wasn't actually walking, but I was there producing live art. And so I had this really cool table set up and this cool lamp and I had my easel and I created, um, it was actually a black gessoed canvas and I only used white. And so I would apply the paint and remove the paint to create shadow and depth. And uh, I used a granule gel to create a, a texturing. It was a crow at nighttime in front of a moon. And then there was like a building corner. And so I used a granular gel to create texture of the of the building. And um, yeah, I don't know. I do. I do find a lot of overlap in the creative. Creative sides of things. Mm-hmm. Some of the most creative people I've ever met in my entire life have had instances of high risk backgrounds or like just very interesting backgrounds. And I've always told Andrew this, I'm like, those are my favorite people to talk to because there's like a flavor to them. There's like a grit or something about them. Do you think that's contributed to your success in everything that you've done in your career? Being creative? 
you know, what I think actually has contributed a lot is philosophy and ethics. Mm. I got um, it tattooed on my arm. Yeah. <laughs> Upside down, it says art and science. So, what? Yeah. That is so cool. <laughs> philosophy and then art and science. That's fantastic. Yeah. Wow. This is my first tattoo, I think. The, yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because if you, understanding philosophies and ethics, it, I found the biggest mind-opening thing about philosophy is to break down basic concepts that we think we already know about, like love mm -hmm. or existence, right? We think, you know, in passing, but then when you really break it down is what is existence? What does it mean? And you are really analyzing your relationship with the world and vice versa. And so I think having um, an understanding of philosophy and ethics, it doesn't matter your industry, but it makes you more personable. It makes you understanding of yourself and understanding of those around you, which is really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great way to put it for sure. If you were to give young Stephanie some advice, you know, talking to the young Stephanie and, you know, go back to young Stephanie in the coffee shop drawing, what pieces of advice would you give for her with all the knowledge you have now, but to that Stephanie back then? Don't let people tell you no. Don't let people tell you you're not good enough to do something or not smart enough to do something um, because that's just their opinion and that doesn't have to be your truth. You work as hard as you want to work to get the things that you want to do. And if someone thinks that you're not good enough for it, then it doesn't really matter. It matters what you think mm -hmm. um, and how much work you're willing to put into it, how long you're willing to wait to achieve the thing that you want. So bare bones, don't let people tell you no. Did, did, is that something that held you back? Yeah, yeah. Because going back to the story of, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? So, okay, that got the wheels turning. A little fourth grade girl seeing a very different side of the world that I've ever seen before. I'm like, okay, maybe I should be a brain surgeon. Yeah. And, and my well-meaning parents told me, foster parents, well-meaning, they say, you're not smart enough. Oh. And I, you know, please remember that these are not, these, these are not terrible people. But, <laughs> but, and I was like, okay, I'm not smart enough next, you know? And so as I've aged, I realized I'm smarter than anybody has ever said to me that I am capable of more than anything mm -hmm. anybody has ever said to me. And that was my choice. But if I don't do something because somebody told me I'm not good enough somehow, that is my choice too. It's so true. After all the interviews we've done and all the people we've talked to or just people in my business um, background, you find out that like the people you look up to the most are just like you. Mm -hmm. Just everybody's just normal people, you know? And yeah, there's spectrums of intelligence or creativity and stuff like that, but like anything is attainable. Like, mm -hmm. especially if you believe in it right. and that like internal cursor really pushes you forward, you can do anything in life. I, I've always, I always say to myself though, I'm like, if I were to go back to myself, I would probably wouldn't tell myself like how hard it would have been. Cause I'd be like, it's harder than you could ever imagine to get yeah. to where I'm at today but it's always going to be worth it, you know? Um, and that's probably something I would tell myself from before as well. But like, I truly do believe that like we're all human. Mm -hmm. We can all achieve whatever, you know? And mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to have parents. My dad is like more rough background. So he was like the guy on the other side of the tracks. My mother was more of like the privileged background, but still kind of rough too as well. Um, but so I had the two different dynamics of my life of, like my mom being very professional and we, we, this is our standard. My dad just being like, whatever you do, as long as you're happy, like that's going to make me happy, like whatever yeah. you want to do. And so 
I've had both of those in my ear my whole life. It's kind of helped me. Can, can you say it like how he would say it? My dad? Yeah. I'm too sick to impression, <laughs> do an impression of my dad right okay. now. But <laughs> I definitely could Excuses, couldn't. you can do anything. No. <laughs> right? But I, I think that's so important what you're saying, though. Like, you're now that you've lived through your life and, and put in some mileage in your life to realize, like, you can do anything in your life that you want to do. That's so important, especially for a lot of people who are looking at you on the podcast today and they want to maybe pursue modeling. What advice would you give them? Um, I think the biggest thing that I would want to say is know what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. Again, we're talking about where do you want to be in your future? Every single photo shoot you do, every single job you take from a client builds your image, your professional mm. image, whether for the good or for the bad, for the good or the bad. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, think ahead and know Will I do lingerie? Will I model for casinos? Will I do alcohol? You know, if, you know, and all of those things are fine. If that's fine with you, then that's fine with you. Will I pose nude? Will I do these things? So that when you get on set, if you are put into a compromised situation, you have the self-awareness to say, this is going over my boundaries and this is not what I want to do. Because if you give into the moment and you're like, well, this is not why I'm here, but I'm going to compromise later. You're going to look back at that and be like, that's not who I am. That's not what I want to be involved in or how I want to be portrayed, but it's there now. Wow. Um, and so just be very, very clear on what you want to do and what you don't want to do because popping gym locker room selfies and there's overflowing trash in the background and toilets and stuff. That's a part of your image now. That's mm -hmm. a part of what people think of when they see you. And so you be very careful about what you get involved with and what you put out there. Are those expect, so that just kind of gave me a little key insight into your industry a little bit. So when you go on shoots, sometimes expectations might be something different. And if you're not an experienced model, you might compromise your moral compass to fit the needs of some whatever director on the fly be like, oh, you know, I don't like that. Maybe more skin or what is, is that like part of your industry more than it, it is not a part of the professional industry. Interesting. Okay. If you're going when I'm booking through my agency, I have never been on set and realized this is going a different direction. It, it is what it is. I show up and there are mysteries to it. Like you don't know your client necessarily, especially if they're huge name clients to keep the frenzy down in like filming and the word before it happens. A lot of times you don't get the name of the client and then you show up and you're like, Oh wow, this is a huge job. Um, but so there is some mystery there in the professional realm, but in the freelance realm is when you have more of a chance of getting on set and, and things going a direction that you didn't plan and that you're not on board with. How do you go yeah. through those and kind of put your, because for me, I'm very I'm client facing too in my world. I'm a marketing mm -hmm. agency that I own. Um, so expectations and constant communication is big. Um, yeah. And it's the same thing. Like I can get a client and, you know, they buy certain services for me. It's very transparent, clear. A month down the road, they're trying to do something completely different and blame things on me that wasn't originally agreed to. Mm -hmm. And think it's a slippery slope. Yeah. And I'm assuming it could be very similar in your industry too at times where they're like, hey, you know, I want to do this or do that. But like with your wisdom and with your experience, you can be like, hey, this is what we agree to. Like refer back to the agreement, the contract. Right. Mm -hmm. This right. is what it is. It's outlined. Yeah. This is what we're doing. Yeah. So Absolutely. I think that your experience has like helped you so much. And you can probably mentor so many young models out there who just are getting into the industry and just want to do something great. Yeah. And sometimes when you're trying to do something great, you just 
you got to understand that you can say no to things, you know, you, you can absolutely. say no to things, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add to that? I mean, I think it's, mm-hmm. gosh, that's so, my notes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so important. To, I think though, I think you're hitting on a lot of really good gold nuggets of, um, expectations mm-hmm. and how you handle situations in life because you've been able to digest in your philosophy and adjusting on the fly. And it sounds like you're very well, balanced of a person you have your vices you. that you um you you pull into your life art and modeling and business and product play, whatever it might be like it sounds like you're very balanced well and that reminds me of one thing i wanted to tell you regarding one of your questions earlier is how would i balance art with modeling and the advertising market fluctuates okay so we have busy seasons and we have dead seasons mm-hmm. and so um a lot of and each market you work in, in different parts of the country, has different times of the year where they are dead and when they're just crazy busy. Um, and so art kind of bridges the gap for me because I have to be doing something. Mm-hmm. I have to be looking forward to something. I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing, but it keeps me sane. So yeah. <laughs> it's so, just a personality trait. Yeah, yeah, I just I I want to know there's something on the horizon, and I want to know there's something like in my agenda that day and that week and everything. Oh yeah, so, me too. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a really good thing. Oh, well, you can have your notes on the table if you want. Yeah, okay. you're welcome. I'm hiding to them. Yeah. <laughs> you can't see what a mess I actually am. <laughs> yeah, if you want to hide it, that's fine too. No, yeah. that's okay. You're very I'm organized. We talked. I on love the phone. that you brought notes. That's awesome. Thank well, you. we were talking on the phone yesterday, and she's like, "I got notes. I'm gonna if it's okay if I refer to them." Like. That's completely course, fine. Yeah. This is a conversation Absolutely. at the end of the day. We, we love it when sh- people show yeah. up prepared and treat 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 it with a level of professionalism because we put a Absolutely. lot of work into this, you know. <laughs> and I respect your time. Yeah. And I am so honored that I'm here today with you guys. Thank you yeah, so thank much. You. This has been so much, so many good gold nuggets. Thank you so much yeah, for coming absolutely. on. Is there anything else? I know you have your notepad there. Is there anything else you want to talk about or d- dive into? I know, especially about your industries or anything, yeah. anything else? Actually, one thing that might be of interest to you is that um, modeling and advertising is actually a very delicate industry. If the economy is suffering in any way, businesses mm-hmm. are suffering, they're going to reel in th- their investments so that they're not going to be investing on advertising and stuff like that. And that's where people yeah. like me end up needing to be doing yeah. something else. Like me and like him too. Yeah. Right? So video, for if, sure. if yeah. they're not, you know, if they can't hardly pay the rent on the building, they're not going to be investing in advertising. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I remember the, the economic crash around 2009, I was modeling full time. I was going to school full time and I ended up having to stack on two more jobs on top of that to make mm. ends meet. It was a lot. It was a lot. I was sleeping like four hours a night, and I, and I mean, that was pretty good. Um, on a good day. Yeah. On a good day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we saw a lot of trade shows happening at that time and the average booking for a model with hourly rate would be about $50 an hour for a trade show at that time. After the economic crash, uh, in 2011, I'm looking around at jobs, trying to find something to do once I got home from Italy and I'm realizing that rates had dropped for as low as $15 an hour for trade show work. Uh, and I, it's not even, you know, worth traveling to Denver and staying somewhere and gas and parking and all the things that add up. It's not even worth it at that Mm -hmm. point. And so I kind of shifted gears, decided to have babies and get married and do my thing and travel with my husband. But now I'm also seeing after COVID, 
uh, again, the industry just crashed and everybody, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're working with huge amounts of people, large audiences. Well. well, and AI, we haven't seen the effect of that as much yet. I think yeah, that's yeah. just starting to, <laughs> sure. to come onto the scene. But I mean, you have make, during COVID, we're in each other's faces doing makeup. We are yeah. working closely mm-hmm. with co people who you may have never met before on set. Um, large audiences, all of that just killed the industry. And so we're kind of just starting to see it come back, Mm -hmm. bigger jobs, better rates and that type of thing. But it's still, you know, it is just coming back. Yeah. We're not oh, wow. quite yeah. back to where we were. 2023 was rough for a lot of people, yeah. uh, or a lot of business yeah. owners. From wh- what I've heard, talking with a lot of business owners, and my experience, my personal experience, 2023 was pretty rough. Like, yeah. more rough than COVID, or more, more rough, rough than 2020, because 2020, COVID, they had loans for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So that was the, that's the difference. But, but I mean, last year, I mean, it was a little bit rough, but you know, we, we made it through, you know, and yeah, we're, absolutely. we're like, as soon as this year started, it's, it's been pretty good. So Stay community oriented. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Cause if we don't, we're, and we just fall apart, our success is so relative to those around us mm-hmm. and our stability. It's super important. I would just say, um, cause I'm in the same industry in a lot of ways as you guys, as far as advertising is concerned, um, is that most of the big, big companies make their biggest breaks in those hard times. They say money's made yeah. when there's blood in the streets. Oh That's a Cody my. Sanchez mm-hmm. quote. It's an awesome yeah. quote. Um, and it's because those who pull back, usually they pull back more and then more and then maybe shut to their doors. While the ones who risk it all in a lot yeah, of ways, okay. it's very risky, mm-hmm. can win it all. Yeah, they're and, all and grab more market share. Mm-hmm. So I've always told the clients, I'm like, if you're going to go big and if you want to have, if you have these big lofty goals, this is the time yeah. when there's money's made when there's blood in the streets because while everybody's pulling back and you, push down on the gas, yeah. beautiful things can happen. So are you ready to advertise or not? Like, what are we doing here? Right. And so mm-hmm. that's usually something that's pretty good to talk to people. I don't know, like if you talk to businesses on, on that front, but like, it's so true. I it mean, think true. about the ones that came out of just 08, 09. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of the big tech companies, I mean, even from COVID, there's been some big companies that have come out and really had some. I think yeah. some of the biggest companies in the world were founded during recessions. Like exactly. Even, even like in the 80s and all that stuff. So yeah. yeah. I worked at a marketing agency that made hundred. 20 million a year and they were founded in 09 mm-hmm. like what was going on in 09 well that was the very beginning of the great recession yeah, no right? one had marketing mm-hmm. budgets then no probably. one had marketing budgets but they became one of the biggest marketing companies in the country and they're like a father and son owned company out of loveland and uh in like six years they're like one of the biggest ones in the country That's awesome. you know so it just yeah. attributes to those who risk it all and mm-hmm. it's scary but that's what a lot of the businesses that work with us need to understand too like if they really do have those lofty mm-hmm. goals there's times when you push the chips all in, especially when you have the right plan and systems in place to move forward and do it. So. Yeah, I love that. And that's true. And during, you know, after COVID, once we started seeing that, you know, there's ways to operate safely. I remember just going crazy all in doing portfolio work like crazy because mm-hmm. then I was going to be that much further when the industry picked up. I would have all this spread of work of what I'm capable of yeah. doing. And I did see that really manifest. No. I have a question. So what's the next five years looks look like for you now? You've been Good through question. pretty much two recessions at this point, right? Yeah. In your career, which is gosh, I mean, these past two, I've only, I mean, we're all relatively around the same age. I mean, those two have seemed pretty big in comparison to maybe past 10, 15 years before that. Yeah. What's next 
for Stephanie Jacobs in the next five years? Well, I did see recently an article stating that um, the modeling industry is projected to increase by 11 percent. Um, and but it was like a very long period of time. I'm pretty sure it was in 20 years or something. I needed to go back to look at mm -hmm. that so I could quote it accurately. But, but it's growing, though, which is but good. it is expected to grow. And that's what we can take away from that. I, however, I love where I am. I love saying like next week I'm booked in Tampa. I'll be flying, awesome. flying to Tampa to work for a client. It's a very professional job and I'm very excited about seeing things like this come across and the, the Colorado Springs Fashion Week getting established and things like this. Mm -hmm. I would also like a little bit more stability in my life. I would like to not be affected so much by you know, the market's mm -hmm. slow times Seasons and stuff like that. that. Sure. Yeah, because it can too. be feast or famine. <laughs> yeah, I feel you on that. <laughs> so um, I think I'm going to be devising some plans to take me into the future that, you know, I almost wouldn't mind a corporate job at this point, which I think most people would be like, oh, my gosh, are you serious? But um, I don't know. I think I would be really fun mm -hmm. to be an art curator for a business or a corporation to outsource and help you know, create art collections for hotels or for uh, office buildings. And I didn't even have to create it. I could just collect it and yeah. help present it and, and create interior design. That would be fun. So I don't know. I'm considering some new directions actually even mm -hmm. currently, but I always kind of am. <laughs> I always uh, say that um, I've, when I was younger, I was definitely one of the worst employees ever. And so I became an entrepreneur because I just essentially wasn't qualified to do anything else. Cause I kept getting fired from all my jobs and I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur really in my heart, but I didn't have necessarily like a rap sheet to get the jobs that I thought I deserved when I was younger, which I actually didn't deserve, but I thought I did. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think there's times in life where security is so mission critical and depending on where you're at in life, that's very, very important. So mm -hmm. I commend all the things you just said. I think that's very, very important to do. And um, yeah, I, I, like that's that's a beautiful way to kind of take everything that you've done in your career so far and then even take it to the next level of something really beautiful and special. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. I'm always interested in leveling up and just creating something that I feel stable, like a feeling of stability. Mm -hmm. you know? That's what I, I think I really need in my life. And I'm trying to figure that out with my business, but uh, I tried to figure that out all last year and it wasn't working. So I, I've, I've been considering maybe some, maybe even in-house creator, like basically doing what I already do, but as like, I'm giving one business like 20 to 40 hours a week right. specifically for that. And then, right. you know, f aiming for a specific rate on that. And if I could have that locked in consistently, I would feel so much relief in my life, I think. Yes. <laughs> so it's, yes. it's, it's been stressful, but I think it, it builds, it builds who you are, I think. And it's, Absolutely. it's taught me and it's helped me be more resilient uh going through the rough times but but yeah i I, I'm, I think we're on a similar page when it comes to that <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's something to be said and you don't know unless you're an entrepreneur independent contractor whatever right. it might be of being on your own and everything being based off of your output right mm -hmm. and you can't ex you can't describe it it's like right. anything else it's like i'm sure if a woman having a baby like you can't just tell a guy how that process is to have a child, right? It's the same thing with entrepreneurship. Like yeah. mm -hmm. you go through trials personally, emotionally, mm -hmm. <laughs> physically that most people will just never be able to understand. Mm -hmm. And so like, I think for us to understand what you're talking about with, you know, maybe the trajectory in the next five years, like totally respect that, totally get it. Like yeah. 
that's awesome. You yeah. know, best wishes for all of that, for sure. Thank you. I think a lot of people don't realize when you're a business owner or independent, 50% of your time is unpaid, you know, mm, yeah. and there's a lot of admin detail work on the backside of that before it actually grows into something that's revenue. So, yeah. 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 Well, we're reaching the end of the episode right here, but we wanted to give you some time to talk to the camera and there's anywhere we can find you. I know you mentioned your Instagram handle earlier, yes. but if you want to mention anything else, maybe sure. your agency you work for or your, your other handles, or maybe even the same one you mentioned earlier, yeah. go ahead and mention it to that camera right there. That's your camera right there. Um, so my name is Stephanie Jacobs. I'm a professional model and art commission provider. And so you can reach me at 357 Magnolia or 357 Magnolia underscore fine art. I actually do have six pieces on display at Paint Nail Bar in Northern Colorado Springs. If you wanted to check those out, those are for sale. They can custom make artwork for your space that you have been looking at and anything you envision. And my agency is Donna Baldwin Talent out of Denver. All right. Well, this has been the COS Business Podcast, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Thanks so much. That was great. That was a great episode. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> we bounced Thank around. You.